0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 on the death of Abraham. As Abraham was gathered unto his people and we'll learn who is our people that are going to be gathered unto us when we die. Now today starts the summer blitz. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, and we have 110 missionaries going out to 14 U.S. and Canadian cities to reach Jewish people with the gospel. Now, we've got materials from Tom Cantor, his life story on DVD, his written testimony, and 34 frequently asked questions by Jewish people, and 194 prophecy and fulfillments. All these materials that are going out as gifts to the Jewish people. Now, if you'd like to support Jewish evangelism with a donation of $40 or more to Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program, we'll send you Tom Cantor's DVD and his combination book of his testimony, frequently asked questions, and prophecy and fulfillments for, again, a donation of $40 or more. So call us at 800 247 3051 to get these materials for a donation of $40 or more and support Jewish evangelism. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism outreach ministry, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on friendship with God, teaching us about the death of Abraham and how he was gathered unto his people. Okay, let's pray.
1: Okay father we thank you so much for lord your word this morning it is a wonderful word we know it came right from your lips we know we live by it and so we pray that you would open it to us this morning as we study in jesus name amen now genesis 25 verse 7 these are the days of the years of abraham's life which he lived 103 score and 15 years Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered unto his people. All right, now, so here we have, in our last study, we came to the end of Abraham's life, this verse. Abraham gave up the ghost, it's described. He died in a good old age. He was an old man. He was full of years. He was gathered to his people. And we saw in the statement, as we looked at it last time, was that it's where it says, then Abraham gave up the ghost, how Abraham gave back to God, the breath that, God, that he had borrowed from God and, and when he was here on earth. He just gave it back up to God, and, and that's what we're going to do when we die. We're going to give back the life that we had here on earth. And, and next we saw that how when Abraham died, it says that he was a good old age, an old man. Well, we know he was 175 years old. We should only live so long, or maybe we should not live so long. <laughs> anyway, and then it says in verse 8 that he was gathered to his people, and we're going to be gathered to our people. See, that's an interesting phrase in the Bible, gathered to his people, because well, this is the first time this is used here in, in, about Abraham, when it says he was gathered to his people. But it's going to say in Genesis thirty-five twenty-nine the same thing about Isaac. It's going to say Isaac was, he gave up the ghost. And died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. It's going to say that about Jacob in, at the end of this book, Genesis forty-nine thirty-three going to say Jacob made an end of commanding his sons he gathered up his feet into his bed he yielded up the ghost was gathered to his people it's going to say that about uh, Moses it's going to say that about Aaron both in Deuteronomy 32 50 where God says to Moses die in the mount whither thou goest up and be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor was gathered unto his people so the way that phrase is written it's such a simple matter-of-fact way gathered unto his people, it it shows an obvious sequence of events. It's sending the message that Abraham, he just, it was no big deal. Abraham went from his people on earth, he went from his people on earth to his people in heaven and the matter of fact way that it's saying that gathering unto his people is saying that the man was 175 years old and so just like the psalm goes, his circle on earth of his friends of his people circle of his people on earth was getting smaller and smaller and the circle of his people in heaven was getting larger and larger so it was logical for him to go from this, this circle to that circle but all the while gathered to his people. Gathered to his people is a phrase that's going to be used to describe that, that is used to describe what happens after death and that brings that begs the question who are our people who are our people i mean we're going to be gathered to our people so who are they and that's the question the lord jesus christ was challenged with when he, about who his family was and then he responded in matthew 12:47 through 50 when he said then said then one said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee but he answered and said unto them that told him, Who's my mother? Who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. So much for the mother of God. Anyway, with that person, he he was saying that, look, behold, thy mother, my mother, and my brethren stand without, they said, look, they're standing outside, and he says, and and then he says, so in other words, that person was saying, you know who's standing outside? Your people. Behold, your people are standing outside. But the Lord Jesus Christ took that opportunity to say, no, no, my people, my brother, my sister, my mother, they're the ones that do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And what he's saying is that my people are those that do the will of my Father which is in heaven. And that's true of us. Who are our people? Are our people our flesh and blood? Is blood thicker than water? Well, for us, if flesh and blood are, uh, are doing the will of God the Father, the, the, then they're our people. So if our flesh and blood are not doing the will of God the Father, then our flesh and blood are not part of our people. And for some of us, like me, that's the case that blood is not thicker than water. So what unites us to our people is not our blood, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what makes a person one of our people is if that person has applied the blood of the Lord to the doorpost of his heart. That's what makes a person one of our people. He's saved by the blood of the Lamb. So who are our people that we're going to be gathered together with? Just people at the chapel or or brethren, the brethren people, or Baptists? That reminds me of a person, maybe you heard this, he first went to heaven and he was passing by this room and the guide said to him, keep quiet because that room was where all the Baptists are and they think they're the only ones here. So, so, but David answers the question, who our people are, when he said in Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all of them that fear thee and that keep thy precepts. See, he says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and keep thy precepts. That's the same thing as the Lord Jesus said in Matthew twelve fifty, whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. See denominations mean nothing as to who our people are. Our people are those who do the will of our father, and the Lord Jesus Christ said that his will was and is in John 6:40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Everyone who sees the Lord Jesus Christ as God the Son Everyone who puts their trust in him and his death and resurrection to be saved from their sins and to have eternal life, it's our people, no matter what church denomination they're in. Those are the people that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Aaron will all gather to. Those are our people. We're going to be gathered to them. Now, when Abraham's life is looked back on from this verse 8 here, as a whole, there's a very interesting word that's used to describe the whole of his life. And the word is translated in the English, full. It says that. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people. Now, if you're using the King James, you'll notice that, that the words of years is in italics. And what that means is that it's not in the original Hebrew. It was, they, they knew it wasn't in the original Hebrew. It's not in the original Hebrew. And so therefore, they put of years in italics. That's what they did. They put it that way. They put it in italics. See? So really, it says, when I read it, it says, And Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, and full, see, forget the of years part, and was gathered to his people. So that leads us to ask the question, well, what does that word mean, full, well, that's the Hebrew word saviyah, saviyah. And, and here it's used full to describe Abraham's life. It's also used in other parts of the Bible. For example, in Proverbs 19, 23, it says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied, saviyah. He shall not be visited with fear of evil. See? So this verse is telling us that the fear of the Lord is tending toward life, which means that a person has the fear of the Lord, he'll obey the Lord. When the Lord Jesus commands him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll do it, and then God will give him eternal life, so he's heading toward life. But then the verse says that that person will abide or stay savia, see, satisfied. Another place it's used in Jeremiah 31, 14, where God said, I'll satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people will be satisfied, savia. With the good with my goodness, saith the Lord. See, and there is this verse, he's gonna satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and his people would be satisfied, severe, uh, with God's goodness. In other words, just like fat satisfies the body from stomach emptiness, so the Lord's goodness would satisfy the soul from emptiness. See? Fat does that, see, like chicken liver. Chicken liver is pasty and it's not good to eat, chicken liver. <laughs> but if you add a little chicken fat, otherwise known as schmaltz, if you add a little with a, with a little bit of schmaltz, with a little bit of schmaltz, anyway, you have something very good to eat, which is chopped liver. And I remember in diet class over at Grossmont Hospital, our, our instructor's name was Candy. Can you imagine that, diet class, instructor's name is Candy? <laughs> and Anyway, Candy, would she was very good. But anyway, Candy would bring out this plate, big plate, with a tiny piece of, uh, of uh, cheesecake, on it see and then she'd bring out a platter with this large mound of fruit and she'd tell us now both of these plates have the same number of calories and she said which one would you like and i thought the cheesecake of course (laughs) because that satisfies (laughs) so the word severe here means satisfied and and in verse 8 it it says that abraham died and 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 then was severe he was satisfied or fulfilled it's quite a statement it's quite a statement when you think about it. he died a satisfied and a fulfilled man i mean apart from god what do people say will make them satisfied and fulfilled at the end of their life well some say you know if i can just amass a lot of money or a lot of possession at the end of my life that would make me a satisfied and a fulfilled person i'd be a happy camper but it does not Because the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 2.15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth.
0: We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, and we have our Jewish Evangelism Outreach Campaign that starts today and goes on throughout the entire summer to August 4th. Now, we've got 110 missionaries going out, delivering Tom Cantor's Life Story on DVD and a combination book of his personal testimony, Frequently Asked Questions, and Prophecy and Fulfillments. You can get these materials and support Jewish evangelism, and we'll send you a copy of the same materials these Jewish people are getting in their hands. Help reach lost Jewish people. Call us at 800-247-3051, 800 800-247- 247 3051, and for a donation of $40 or more, we'll send you these materials from Tom Cantor that we're reaching Jewish people with. 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to donate and support Jewish evangelism.
1: So when the Lord said that a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses, by life, he's referring to satisfaction and fulfillment. We live in a country that's just intoxicated, it's overwhelmed with materialism. And then the Lord went on to explain what he meant when he said this, a man's life consists not in abundance of things he possesses. And he goes on and he says in Luke 12, 16 through 24, he says, he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my, good, my fruits. And he said, oh, this I'll do. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine eyes, eat, drink, be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? so is he which layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? So, question is, what was wrong with the thinking of the rich man? It was a statement in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. See, the problem was when he said that he had many years. See, he, may, he assumed he had many You got a lot of goods laid up for many years. So he assumes that he has many years. I mean, he saw this world as, as really the place that he had arrived in, and he didn't live his life. As though at any moment he could die and stand before God. And God said to this man, in verse 20, the next thing he says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? See, why was the man a fool? He was a fool for two reasons. The first reason he was a fool is because he didn't live his life as though he could die that night. He wasn't living that way. He didn't live his life as though that very night his soul would be required from him. That's a sobering question for us. I mean, that man lived his life as though death would, would take everyone else by surprise, but not him. See, that, the question comes to us, how shocked, how unprepared are we if we die tonight? See, that man said, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, and drink, and be merry. See, his problem was just the many years part, when in reality he didn't have many years. He had one day. But he lived his life as though he had many years, and that's the first reason the man was a fool. The second reason the man was a fool was because because the Lord said to him, who shall those things be with thou as provided? He was a fool because he looked at the things and he said, now these are mine. These are permanently mine. I own these things. They're never going to be anybody else's but mine. And the Lord said, no, no, no. Who is this? They will be somebody else's. Whose will they be? and with that which thou hast provided see his hand was too tightly gripping his possessions and so he and what's wrong he said thou hast much goods see he was a fool because he didn't see that 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 what he had was he was only the temporary custodian of what he had and 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 that after he left all those things were going to be owed by somebody else because his grip was so tight well, what he had. And he saw all those things that he's owned by him. And so he said, look, I'm free to do whatever I want with this because, because I own it, so I'm going to use it for eating and drinking and being married. see? And, and, and because he was thinking, why not? I own all these possessions. Why can't I do with them with what I want? He didn't see that God had loaned all those things to him for the short time that he was here on earth. And he was accountable to God with what he had from God. And it was, it was only a loan to him. From God. And then he had to give account to God as to what he did with it. See, King Solomon, he understood this at, at, when he, at the offering of the temple, when he dedicated the temple. I mean, here was King Solomon. He was the richest man on earth. And, 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 but he had the right perspective on possessions. And he said in 1 Chronicles 29 14, he says, But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. See, what Solomon is saying here is he's saying, he's saying, he's saying we can't give God anything because it all belongs to him in the first place. But he, he can bless us when we give, and he will bless us. It's important, therefore he's saying, to be generous with God and give him back what's, all, what's already his anyways. Now, I'm sure that Solomon had in mind, how, how, how did the Jewish people get all their initial wealth In the first place, when they left Egypt, and God took it from the Egyptians and gave it to the Jewish people. And we read about that in Exodus 3.22, where it says, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. Women are very good at this. And I've heard that sojourner through their house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons, upon your daughters, you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, you might say, that doesn't sound fair. That just doesn't sound fair. Well, from a horizontal point of view, it was fair because the Jewish people were just collecting their back wages. They built a lot of pyramids, so, you know, a lot was owed to them for those pyramids. But, and, but from a vertical point of view, it was fair because God owned everything that was in Egypt. And if he decided to take what is his and give it to the, the, the departing Jewish people, that's fair. So so we've seen that the abundance of things is not able to satisfy because there's always this haunting thought that I might die, and then I won't have these things. So what do I do to keep myself from being attached to these things? Uh, What I do is I keep in mind I'm putting this together for somebody else. And one of the things I do, I label things so someone else can use it. Even my refrigerator. I label containers. Now, I know what's in those containers, but I label them. Clint makes fun of me for this. He he says I put clearly marked labels on things, you know. When I put one of those clearly marked labels on a bottle, I think to myself, now, if I die tonight, the next person, he, he needs to use this, not just throw it away. Like yesterday, I made some very good lemon garlic cream sauce. And I put a big label on it, lemon garlic cream sauce. I knew it was lemon garlic cream sauce. I made it, and it was right there. But I thought, well, what if I die tonight? And then Clint comes over with the boys for Bible study tomorrow, and then he finds this this thing. I don't want him to throw it out because it's very good. He should enjoy the lemon garlic cream sauce. So I got it very clearly labeled. It's healthy for us. To see ourselves as temporary residents, with temporary custody, what we have. It helps us looking at our stuff and thinking, my life, my, uh, my life is good, not because of things I own. So if the things don't satisfy or bring fulfillment, what satisfies? Well, what Abraham had and what all the patriarchs had that made him satisfied is given to us in Hebrews 11:13, where it says, these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. So Abraham was satisfied in life because of what he saw and what he embraced. And Abraham saw the promises of God, and, and he saw the promises of being with God for eternity. And, and Abraham not only saw those promises, but you know, he saw them, but he embraced them. And Abraham said to himself, I'm going to God, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with God forever. And that verse says that the saints not only saw the promises, but they embraced them. And it says, in other words, they hugged them hard, those promises, so hard that those promises persuaded them, it changed them. See, their hug on those promises was so hard, they began to make life decisions based on those promises of going to heaven. See, what life decisions would we make? If we not only saw but embraced the promises of going to heaven harder, one day day we're going to be going to heaven. One life decision is to look at our lost friends and say, I want to be with that person in heaven for eternity. I don't want my friend to end in hell. I'm terrified. But for him, so i 'm going to do my best to persuade him to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in 2 corinthians five eleven knowing therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men now i 'm going to use all my persuasive powers to bring that person to the Lord Jesus Christ. knowing we 're going to go to heaven is, is one thing, but embracing the knowledge changes us, and knowing that we 're going to go to, to, to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ, it affects our minds, it affects our focus. See, it affects every part of us. See, if we just know it, it's only going to affect our knowledge. But when we embrace it, it's going to affect our heart. It's going to affect our heart, it's going to affect our will. And we're going to say to ourselves, so I say to ourselves you know, when I give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be giving an account of, of, of my one and only chance opportunity here on earth to bring the lost homes to Him, lost ones home to Him. So that's a, I got this one and only. So to embrace that knowledge, in other words, to take it from just head doctrine, head knowledge, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I have to give an account to the Lord, and then to embrace it, pull it in really hard so it just, it, it, it becomes a changing your heart, see, that, that is to say, you know what I want to do? I want to be able to say to the Lord when I go to heaven. Lord, I want, I, let me introduce you to Jack over here. Or let, let me introduce you to Sue. And, and, and I worked hard. And you know what happened? Jack and Sue got saved. Okay? I'm happy to do that. And I had a chance and an opportunity while I was living down there on earth. And I, I know I had a window of opportunity. But, 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 but Lord, I was thinking about that, that I was going to have to give you an account for what I did when I was down there.
0: Another wonderful day of Bible teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and today marks the launch of the 2015 Summer Blitz campaign going out to 14 U.S. and Canadian cities with 110 Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries with Tom Cantor's materials of his life story as well as his Frequently Asked Questions book that answers 34 of the top questions that Jewish people have, and a 194 prophecy and fulfillments of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, his written personal testimony. That's given out to the Jewish people. We'd like to give you a copy of that for a donation of $40 or more, which supports this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism campaign that launched today. Now get your copy of these materials by calling us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thirty fifty one. Again, a donation of $40 or more will get you these materials, 800-247-3051. Or you can go online to donate and support Jewish evangelism at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. friendshipwithgod.org and israelrestoration.org. Now, there's got to be a group of believers who will stand up and say, no, never again will a Jewish soul slip into a Christless eternity. And all of the believers who have some part in that are going out on the Summer Blitz with our 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries who believe the Jewish people need to be evangelized and reached. Support Jewish Evangelism and get Tom Cantor's DVD and his three books in one combination book for a donation of $40 or more, 800-247-3051. Eight hundred two four seven thirty fifty one. Reach the Jewish people. Go to friendship with or israelrestoration.org.